0: Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience.
1: Dave Tribble, welcome to the Center of the Universe. Thank you. Nice to be here. I guess we should uh, mention how you and I connected. You know my dad, and, and of course, I know my dad. <laughs> and, I, and I'd ask my dad. That's uh, a good
0: relationship. It, it's a, a strong
1: one. I'm, I'm his only son. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, and he, I had asked him, hey, do you know any uh, veterans? Uh-huh. Of course, he knows a few, and, right. and one of the names that he brought up first was, was your name. Well, thank you. And that was uh, right before the pandemic started. For goodness sake. Yeah, and so a lot of what we were doing on the podcast was remote, so all online, internet sort of thing, but we've, the last few months, been doing a lot in person, so I'm very happy that you're able to join us. And you're, you're from uh, Hanover County.
0: Uh, actually, I was born in Churchill. Hill. Uh, okay lived in the West End most of my life, uh when I was young with TJ. Okay. Uh then went to the service and got married right before I left and when we got back, we moved to Hanover County.
1: Uh why Hanover
0: County? Uh they built a subdivision out on um in right near Mechanicsville, old Mechanicsville. Mm-hmm. And uh my wife's parents helped us get into that, They'd get into a house. We were living in an apartment on Carriage Hill glibside Okay. When I first got back,
1: no. So uh, things were cheaper, maybe in that. Port yeah, the hotel. first
0: house was like twenty-three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> what year was that? <laughs> that was uh, let's see. I got back in '70 from the service. Uh, probably around '72 or so, we we moved out to Metagate.
1: Okay, Metagate. Yeah, you were over there at what, 6970? 6970. And no, Okay. right. Okay, right. Uh, about the same time my dad was over there. I didn't know him, but I, I've talked to him since then. Yeah. Did you guys have any uh, things in common that happened while you were over there? Uh, you know, like I told you earlier, I, I
0: listened to a little bit, I'm not familiar with the podcast, so I listened to a little bit today of your father's and uh, the story he told about stretching out along a a line and somebody holding on to his web gear. <laughs> well, that happened to me when I was on the bubble Canal and they held onto my ankle. Oh my gosh. And if I heard anything, I was supposed to uh, shake my ankle. Of course, I was so scared it shook all the time. So <laughs> they teased me from then on.
1: <laughs> you, you were constantly alerting. Or well, I was a
0: new guy. So they put me on the uh, the bubble Canal run from Vietnam to Cambodia, it's a straight shot. Right, and they brought down medical supplies and nurses and ammunition and soldiers. And uh, so we would run what we called uh, a three-man team, a killer team, mm. killer mission. And uh, they put me on the front, all the way facing Cambodia. So I was a point man. You, you, <laughs> you were the guy. I was a new guy on the block.
1: New guys get the worst jobs.
0: I swear. Well, <laughs> you've got to pay your dues.
1: Yeah, so let's uh, let's back up. So okay. when you had free time, your parents weren't telling you what to do when you were a kid, all right? Uh, and you weren't in school. How did you spend your time? What did you enjoy doing?
0: I played sports, but my mother and father divorced when I was young, ten years old. Hmm. So all the way through school, I had to work with my mother. I had a handicapped brother uh, and another brother and sister, and my my oldest brother was severely handicapped. So required a lot of attention from my mother. She left my father and uh he was abusive. So uh, I just took care of myself. I worked before school, after school weekends.
1: Just, how old were you when you started working before school?
0: Uh I started carrying papers and then they made me into like a area manager. Hmm. I'd have to get up three thirty, four o'clock in the morning and Make but, sure the papers got out. And, most
1: kids weren't getting up that early. No, nah, but uh, they taught
0: me some good lessons in life. They, the cafeteria and there was uh, Elmo Cross's mm-hmm. wife's mother. Okay. Mother-in-law, mother, Miss Sibley, and she would fix my breakfast for me when I got to school. She That's was cool. a cafeteria, so okay. I was the only one who got breakfast at school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a pretty good deal. It is. It yeah.
0: is. You know, I, I remember to this day, you know nice because of that What's, and, go ahead go ahead and then I just worked at uh, I worked at Pool Hall you know ran a pool hall for on Lakeside Avenue mm-hmm. then one ran one on horse spin on the weekends for some guys you know just manage it that, that's bad then I started doing contract driving for my mother she worked for GMAC okay and I'd go pick up cars take cars back to original dealers and that was good money I'd, I'd hitchhike back then you could hitchhike right yeah and uh i get paid to take a plane or a train or a bus or something, and I'd keep that money and just hitchhike. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I was pretty much on my own since I was about,
1: you know, 14, 15 years old. Uh, You think that made you a better person? It,
0: uh, in some ways it did. In other ways, like being part of a family and sharing time with my, brothers and sisters and things like that, uh, that was non-existent, I was working. yeah. So we never were a close family. And then, uh, you know, but it did help me. I always had money in my pocket, so I always felt important,
1: you know, that uh, I could take of myself. You were independent at an early age. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You live in the same roof with your brothers brothers and sister? No,
0: one went in the Navy, and then uh, my mother moved down to the fan, and we moved down to the fan. And then uh, I went to Hill. I went to West Hampton first. Then I went to Hill, Albert Hill. Mm -hmm. And then I went to TJ. And then when I got out of TJ, um, I was working at a – uh lack of a better term back then beer joint okay you know and uh that's where i met my wife uh checking her ids (laughs) and her father worked for the high school that i went to okay so so i knew the last name and that that's what started us talking beer
1: joint slash pool hall
0: no it was just it was you know the big beer joint back then was andy's down Hmm. on gray street Oh, okay and then andy's son aj jr uh, Af Junior, what do you want to call it? Uh, opened a place called AJ's Gaslight, right at Laurel and Broad. Okay, and that's where I worked. And Just, I went to. Uh, I actually signed up and went to the first year of uh, John Tyler Community College down in Chester. Okay, the first year was open.
1: Wow, what year was that?
0: It must have been around '69, somewhere in that range.
1: So you graduated high school in '68.
0: I graduated in '67. Okay. I supposed got it at 66 but I lacked one credit. and Vietnam was going strong so I elected to take two more two or three more classes and
1: not not go there. <laughs> yeah cuz if you left school you I, were...
0: I was a class clown. You know what I mean? I, I got in trouble all the time.
1: <laughs> what well, but one more year of school meant that you weren't eligible for the draft. Well, I didn't get drafted. Mm-hmm. But, I, it, but after school, right?
0: Uh, well, I went to down to Tyler, and then one night I was working at the AJ's, and uh, they come running up the steps and told me they needed me downstairs, so I thought it was a fight. And I go down. and they said, somebody hit your car. And uh, I go out there, and my car was up in a showroom window. Oh, my gosh. So it took my wheels away, and I won't go back to catch the bus to, uh, to uh, Chester. So then my mother was dating a guy that was a big shot in the army uh army and he got me in touch with some people at the uh Air National Guard, uh the, the Virginia Air National Guard band. Right. Of course I couldn't play an instrument, <laughs> but they said if I could play the cymbals, they could make it work. So I got I thought I was gonna get deferred from that to go to service. But uh quite honestly, when they came at wanted me to wear that uh pink ascot. I said
1: nah <laughs> so I got drafted and went, went in service then 68 how old were you when you were worried about the draft was it right right before your 18th birthday kind of thing or were you...
0: no, I, I never really worried about it I just uh, I didn't give it a lot of thought but it was for the lottery you know so uh I mean I knew I was no reason not to go you know I was prime prime choice right then so yeah. but I thought what while I was going to school I could get deferred but uh that guy that hit my car with a 54 cadillac with those two big black bumpers on the front mm-hmm. he took care of that mm. i mean he it was parked against the curb so as soon as he hit it it went up in the air and went through a window
1: uh, one single car accident made changed you... my whole life wow yep sure did all right so you get drafted how, how are you notified oh lord i just got a piece of paper i'm sure paper I... in the mail
0: Paper in the mail. Uh, I had to go in in June of 68. Uh, Went to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia for basic training. Then I went to uh, Fort McClellan, Alabama for AIT. And um, I actually won trainee of the cycle Hmm. at AIT. Class Clown was was the guy. Well, I... I don't have many words. Two or three hundred people, probably. But I got the, I got the award for best recruit or whatever you want to call it. So, so they wanted to send me to OCS school, mm. and uh, if I went there, I had to re up. And I said, "No, I'm not. You know, I'm a two man job. Two man." You two-man. had to add
1: what four years or something like that. Uh, you had to add four years if you went to OCS.
0: I, for some reason, I want to say three, but okay. it might have been four after I got out of the OCS. Right. So then they shipped me to NCO school back to Fort Bennett, Georgia. And I don't know if get First day they said, Is anybody here that didn't want to be here? And me and my buddy from Richmond said,
1: <laughs> 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 Well, they
0: kept us there the whole time. And right before graduation, they said, You going? So I picked up a, uh, three or four friends that uh, one of them was a state senator's son. One of them played the bagpipes. Mm. One of them was a, a big shot. Businessman's father was. Well, one of them got two of the unknown soldier, one of them got the band because he played the big bagpipes, and one of them got uh, Korea, and yours truly got Vietnam. Mm. <laughs> so,
1: what, what was your uh, MOS? What was your specialty? Infantry. Did, infantry. did you have any say in that? No, nope. Wow. And so, when you went back to Benning, was it to a unit or is it NCO school? Okay, so that's quick. Yeah. So you did AIT, then NCO I went basic
0: training, AIT, didn't go to OCS. They cut orders for me to go to NCO school back at Fort Bennett.
1: That's quick to NCO. Well, at least by standards that I'm I'm accustomed to from the 90s and 2000s. Well,
0: I, I always attribute it to getting the, uh, the award, you know, that – they saw a promise, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you had they to, don't tell you anything.
1: They just <laughs> tell you where you're going. Yeah, they just give you locations. That's right. That's right. And times to show up. That's right.
0: <laughs> so I came. Uh, then I got orders to go to NOM. I came home. Uh, I had 17-day leave. And uh, didn't know where I was going to Nam. You know, I mean, what, anything. And I stayed home about 11 days, and the girl I was dating, we eloped and got married on a Monday. On your R and R. On my on my seventeen day leave before I go Oh to before, Nome, you I before you left. Before I go to Nam. So we got married on a Monday in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, and I left on Sunday to go to Vietnam.
1: Hmm. I was gone a year. And she knew you were gonna be gone. Oh yeah. Yeah. And are you still with her? I am. Oh, my goodness. She,
0: she, 53 years.
1: That, that's a hard first year she f- said for both of y'all. She said it was the best year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know she didn't say that. Yes, yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> she <laughs> weeks when she says it, but she says that's the best year of the
1: marriage. <laughs> uh, I got a good one. Uh, that's fantastic. 53 years is a long time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I never get – they took me up to Dulles. We stopped at uh, Fredericksburg, eating at the barn at Shannon Green, and uh, they took me up to Dulles. I got on one of those little uh, shuttles that take you to the plane. Mm-hmm. And I got up to the plane, they said it was gonna be a bit of an hour or so, wait, so they shuttled me back, and everybody had left, so I was there sitting <laughs> I was trying to catch it, but I couldn't. So anyway, so I went over to Nong.
1: And you were an infantry guy.
0: Infantry guy. I got, uh, I got put in, I went to Mekong Delta, it, uh, went into Dong Tam, went into Tan An, and, uh, me, and uh, I was put into what they call long-range recon, lorps Yep. So I went into LURPS.
1: Long-range recon, patrol.
0: Six-man patrol. Yeah. And uh, that's my first night was Bobo Canal shaking my shaking ankle.
1: Shaking your ankle. <laughs> that's right first night in in the field
0: first night in the field I, I stayed there I, I was in the compound for a little while getting acclimated to the wet, uh, temperature and everything you right. know uh, getting to meet the people you know getting to find out what team I was on stuff like that so uh, and what, then,
1: what what month was this uh, March okay.
0: I got married on the 24th and left on the 30th. Mm. So I got over there and went into the LURPS right sometime in April, I guess,
1: you know. Uh, And were you in the field basically the rest of the time? Yeah. Y'all were out all the time.
0: In the LURPS we were. uh, They pretty much moved the LURPS into the Ranger Regiment. uh, E-75th Regiment. Uh, We were attached to 9th Infantry Division. There was one... One company, a ranger, was attached to each battalion. So okay. I was attached to the cookie, the 9th Infantry. Okay. And uh, once I got into that, uh, you go to the field for a day, uh, you're uh, off for a day, and then you, uh, what they call RIF, which was ready, the uh, ready, uh, Intermediate Reaction uh, Force. In other okay. words, if a ranger team got in trouble we were the
1: first team to go in you know to help them so you were part of a ranger unit right did you go to ranger school after no just all OJT <laughs> well yeah i mean that's uh you you didn't need ranger school after all that no no i mean,
0: that uh, you know i guess you you pick it to pieces because I didn't go to Ranger School at Fort Bend, in Georgia, but I went to Ranger School in Vietnam.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, Ranger School back then was what, eight, eight nine weeks, something like that? Yeah, you, you did yeah. the 52 week version I did. or even longer. I did.
0: Yeah. I did. Well, I actually got to come home one time during the, during the 52 weeks because of Camille, the flood. So hmm. I, I'll tell you about that later. Okay. But anyway, uh, so they changed the company. I was in Company E, 75th Infantry. That was a – that's the logo on the hat.
1: Right, right, right. right. Uh-uh. Uh, Rangers back in the day, uh, guys in that unit, whether they had gone to Ranger school or not, what, what were they typically like? Crazy.
0: <laughs> Absolutely bona fide crazy. <laughs> I mean, they, they were dope heads. They were hard to manage. They were, you know.
1: Even the Ranger Regiment back then. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. We
0: were, a lot of them were misfits. Mm. You know, some of them weren't. I don't consider myself a misfit. I just, you know, took what they gave me. But uh, some of the guys, some guys from Texas, uh, guys from New York, you know, uh, they were, uh, some of them got into drugs, you know, some of them serious drugs and some of them just marijuana. Marijuana was pretty prevalent all that. Yeah. You know. Uh, I I never did any drugs at all. So
1: You're far yeah. away from home, which I, I get some people fall prey to that, uh, to drugs, but you're also in a very dangerous place, and you, you don't want to be high, I, I can't imagine, when you're over there.
0: Well, uh, I worked my way up and became a team leader. So as a team leader, not that I I never did drugs, period, no, no if and buts about it, but once I became a team leader, I – I figured that was more responsibility and keeping, taking care of some of the guys. In the that did, you know, if I found them doing it, I'd get them off the team. But, you know, some of them you can't you can't tell whether they're like it or not. You know.
1: So you 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 were in a a Lerps unit six man squad. Is that what you called them? Yeah, yeah team. Squ- team. Oh, six man team. Mm-hmm. And you so you you ran a team, as as in the Rangers, not in the LERPs. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. They, so the Rangers, were you just an uh, infantry squad?
0: No, no. Six-man team. Okay, got they, it. They just changed the connotation of what we were. Same people.
1: Got it. We just got they a just different insignia. Names. They changed the names. Insignia.
0: Okay. They consolidated or whatever. You know, we we had our own company area. We were the only ones that could keep ammunition in that company area. You know, uh, we would, you know. You don't throw the word elite around, but we were we were different from the grunts or the line units. Right. So uh, we, we had special privileges and things like that.
1: Long-range recon, how far away from uh, the compound would you guys go, or, or how far away from the grunts that could reinforce you would you go typically?
0: Uh, to my recollection, I, I never knew anything about any grunts, where they were or anything. They, they give us a location to be inserted. In a time to be picked up, mm. and we were supposed to go. We had five Americans, one South Vietnamese Ranger, mm. uh, Arvin, they called him, right. uh, and for a translator, and uh, he pretty much guided us around. We didn't move at night; we moved during the daytime. It's not as many woods down there in the delta, so we'd spend the nights in the rice paddies and things like that. You know, it's at uh, uh, once in a while you'd have a company commander command fly over and tell you to go do this, and we. We do, uh, yeah, yeah, we doing it. You know, we ain't moved a muscle. We you know, you do move at nighttime, you know. Right. You just didn't do it. So the command commander's with, he was from California. He was trying to make a name for himself. And he wanted you guys moving at
1: night. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, so down in the Delta, what were you doing reconnaissance on?
0: Well, the, um. It was a pacified area, except for the North Vietnamese would send tax collectors down and go into villages and tax the locals and take money and food and stuff like that, and and then you know give it. Uh, they had a place called the Plain of Reeds, and they would set up in the Plain of Reeds, and they had little hospitals out there and stuff like that, so they would get you know get medicine stuff like that, and that. Uh, most of the missions we ran were, uh, as part of the Rangers, was to go find a specific person. Uh, we had a picture or they Arvin knew who he was, and we'd go into town and find him.
1: Find him, and you wouldn't interrogate, you would just observe from a distance, kind of thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on from yeah. there. <laughs> uh, so you said inserted. Were you were you ground inserted or air inserted? Or air both? inserted. Air inserted every time. No, when we when we ran missions with the seals, we went in by PBR
0: Paps Blue Ribbon boats.
1: So, uh, okay. Yeah. The seals were the ones running the boats down there.
0: They would be. They would run. We would run uh, a mutual team. Uh, you know, team of Rangers, team of seals, and we'd go down to their ship and have dinner. Which was out of this world. They know how (laughs) they know how
1: to eat in the Navy. Well, they had American food. Yeah, you weren't getting American food. No, we had
0: LERP rations. (laughs) We had bags. We would pump water into it, you know. But anyway, we go down and have steaks and potatoes and stuff. So we kind of like running the missions with them, but they were crazy too. So (laughs) crazy, Um, crazy in the same way. Yeah, I'd I'd say they were a little, little more crazy. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Yeah.
1: In 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 good ways and bad ways. In both.
0: Okay. Sometimes they were uh too crazy, you know, they exposed us, you know, trying to do something. They were more of a hunt and seek type thing, mm. ambush type stuff, not not going looking for one person.
1: They were doing movement to contact. They were trying to stir stuff up. We would go by the boats and be put
0: in and then we'd monitor an area that was where they were supposed to uh You know, have shipments come in stuff like that. So we'd set up in that area, and the boat would pull out and go off, and they'd set up a what they call FOB, which was Forward Operational Base. Right. And our radio, you know, I carried a Prick Twenty Five radio, and my radio would go to the boat, and then they would send it back to the cutting area. Okay. So that's how we kept in touch with
1: everybody. Uh, This is a weird question. Have you seen the movie Apocalypse Now? Yes. Were the boats the same kind of boats that were that was in that movie? Uh, Yes. Okay. Yes. So it, it it would fit. Yeah, very quiet, very quiet. Yeah, quiet, yeah. but fit 10, 12 guys? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, do you have any positive memories from your time in Vietnam?
0: Well, I guess the biggest positive uh, thing that helped me most of my life was I've been there done that. Mm. And it affected me my whole life so far as... Appreciating things and not putting stuff off till tomorrow. You know, I had I lost some good friends over there, and I mean that just I went to bed next morning they were dead. You know, I mean just uh, I got one guy that I played cribbage with all the time. You know, he, yeah. I got up next morning, to, we'd have cribbage games that last a month, <laughs> and he wasn't on my team, but uh, he was one of the hippies, you know, from California. But we just bonded. Yeah, he was
1: a buddy of yours.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's probably the closest one I was with over there. Uh, uh,
1: how old was he when he passed or when he was killed?
0: You know, I don't know, but the story behind that is that, uh, like I say, he got killed. And, uh, you know, after I got home for a while, I went up to the wall. And I wanted to see his name on the wall. And I went up there and uh, I only knew as Michael, you know, and his last name. So I went up there and I looked it up, and it had Michael C. Boheim. And uh, so I went to another place and looked, and it said Corey, C O R Y. Well, that's the name I named my son. Oh my gosh. And I, I to this day, I, I don't think I ever knew what his middle name was. Mm. But I named my youngest son Corey, and I think it had to do with that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So then another day I went up to the wall and I was laying there with my wife and I said I'm going to go up to the wall. She said, you don't need to go to the wall, I'm not going. I said, I got to go. She said, you don't have to go. I said, I got to go. I got a feeling. So I went up there and uh, well, right before that I got a call from a guy from Alexandria said, you want to go up to the wall? I said, no. Nah. He said, they're having a big ceremony up there. I said, I can't go. He went up there and I'm going through the airport. Well, a little bit later, several months later, there his picture was on National Geographic (laughs) pointing at the wall right there. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he's dead there, but Michael Fuentes, I mean, uh, uh, Michael, uh, sorry. Anyway, so I go up to the wall and I'm looking at the wall and I got my beret on, you know, uh, and somebody taps me on the shoulder and it's NBC and they want to do an interview. Of all the hundreds of people up there that day, they tapped
1: me. You were wearing the beret, though. Yeah. They knew what that was.
0: Well, it was it was a black beret. So I mean, some of them probably did. They all got berets now, you know. But
1: they started giving those away in 02, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So anyway, they t- did an interview with me. So I felt like that was the reason
1: I was up there. So, could we find that interview? You think? I don't know. I don't know. You've never looked for? It? No. In, any of not. your kids ever looked for it? Not that I know of. Did they, Did they know you were interviewed?
0: They may have I may have told them the story, I don't know, you know, I, like I said I don't talk about it too much, they don't ask me the questions, but I don't watch too many war movies anymore, stuff mm. like that, so it doesn't come up too much
1: you know uh, what what kind of interview was it? Were they being friendly, trying to figure oh, yeah. get information? Yeah, just just a normal yeah. interview? Yeah,
0: yeah, just a perspective, okay yeah, sure,
1: yeah and uh th- was it on camera?: Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I bet it's out there somewhere.: I don't know. I'm going to find The it. one you want to find
0: is uh, Australian NBC. <laughs> <laughs> i will tell telling myself now. <laughs> Remember the movie Dirty Dozen? Uh-huh. When Jim Brown was running down the alleyway dropping the grenades. Oh, yeah. In the manhole. Yeah. Well, NBC came out. I think it was NBC. came out, Australian NBC, came out to the Plain of Reeds, and we found a bunch of bunkers. So they wanted me to run down the, the bunker line, dropping concussion grenades in the bunker, just like Jim Brown did. So I did it. And
1: they they wanted they just wanted the video.
0: They wanted video. <laughs> I got down to the last bunker. I turned and I was supposed to tell them to follow me, like you know, come on, let's go, or something like that. And there was a little little creek right there, and I jumped over the creek. In the back, the radio hit the back of my head, almost knocked me out. <laughs> they said, cut, cut, cut. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I guess you don't know if that ever
1: got released in Australia. I don't know.
0: I don't know. But uh, I, I did another interview with uh, Edward Bennett Williams, the used to be the Redskins owner. Okay. He was on plane going over. I had come back because my father lost his house at the Camille, and the Red Cross got me to come home for fifteen days, and then they gave me extension for fifteen days. So I came home, and then uh, on the way back, I had to sit beside Edward Bennett Williams. So he was going over to defend somebody over there, and he wanted to know a bunch of stuff. So I did get an interview with him on the plane there.
1: Was he a lawyer or a journalist? No, he's a lawyer. Okay. Yeah, and he just wanted to know for his own edification or?
0: Well, he was getting acclimated to what's going oh, on in Vietnam. Gotcha. You know, and other words, when you kill somebody, do they take you to a room, and give you a fifth degree and all that stuff? Or do they just pat you on the back? Or they, you know. I guess he was just wanted to know how to defend the person he was, I think it was a colonel or something that was accused of doing something. And he just wanted to know what life was like over there, you know, yeah. in combat in combat.
1: I have to mention, I, I've recorded about 160 people, and you're the first one who's been interviewed by uh, International NBC, <laughs> I, I have also been inter- interviewed by International NBC before I went overseas with the, really? with the Army, yeah. and it was uh, Japanese NBC.
0: Yeah, this was, <laughs> they had the old hand crank, and you know, they had the fuel with no electricity they had. Yeah, I, This was in 1969 or 70, so I mean,
1: you know. My interview is not action-oriented like yours. <laughs> well mine was embarrassing <laughs> it was going so good <laughs> you had gotten to the end i'd
0: gotten to the end it took one more leap and that was it it didn't thank god it didn't knock me down or knock me out but it, it came close it came certainly came really <laughs> yeah, close. close that prick 25 was pretty heavy
1: yeah a lot of those uh the mm-hmm. comms back then they were all heavy yeah yeah when i came in the uh service the We were using pricks, and they were a lot of metal in those things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When, uh, how were you notified that your dad's house was lost in Camille?
0: He worked for Reynolds, and Reynolds sent a letter to the Red Cross saying that because of his uh, physical state, that he couldn't do some things. It was it was an attempt to get me home. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's a rule, whatever you
1: want to call it, to get me home, and it worked. It worked for thirty days anyway.
0: Worked for thirty days.
1: Did that extend your tour in Vietnam by 30 days? uh -uh. Okay. Uh -uh. All right. And what did you have?
0: They actually, I didn't even know that they accepted it. They came, got me out of the field. Mm. I mean, I was painted up. I was in the actual field when they came, got me. A helicopter came in and said, Once you get on the helicopter, you're going home. So,
1: it Was your first thought, I'm going home? For, <laughs> yeah. going, did you think you were going home for good? Or, no, or? no, no,
0: no, no. I knew I put two and two together, you know, that I, they, they had uh, honored the Red Cross. Right?
1: Okay. Uh, when, when you were over there doing missions, uh, besides the things you were doing, w- that was oriented on a person. Did you do other kinds of missions when you were over there, or was it always basically that kind of mission? Uh, we did killer missions, which was – Three or four teams. That were more ambush type
0: missions. We did uh, uh, what a day a day trip was called a parakeet flight. You know, we get in and come out that night, stuff like that. An eagle flight was two or three days. We go out and uh, monitor a certain part of a, city, a, a hooch or something, or a line of hooches, and see if we could see some activity there. And uh, The thing about being in the Rangers over there was if we got into contact, no matter who came or what rank they had, I was still in charge. Mm -hmm. I was on the ground and they were in support of me. So I didn't have anybody coming there and telling me what to do. And, you know, I mean, if they did, I just tell them, you know, what? Pack sand. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that was good. You know, we carried a lot of, we carried a lot of, Firepower in a six-man team. A lot of firepower.
1: A couple M60s kind of thing? We
0: had one M60 per team. We all had, uh, I carried what they call a CAR-15 with a M79 grenade launcher under it. Uh, Others had sniper rifles. rifles. We all had handguns. We had knives. We had, uh, uh, you know, Someone had just strictly M-79s, grenade launcher, you know, like a shotgun by itself, you know. Right. So we had, we had plenty of firepower. So, And then we, we'd run stay-behind missions, which was if the Ranger team got in contact and in a firefight, and let's say Hoppy 30, they would get low on ammo, they would make a big scene and come in and get us out, and in the meantime, they would insert another Ranger team right behind us, mm. and they would low-key it. To see if the people would come out, you know. Right. So we called a stay behind.
1: That's uh that's a unique thing. Yeah.
0: So uh, you know, I I I never lost an American. I lost one Vietnamese. Uh. uh I had an American get shot pretty bad, uh, but he didn't die. So I mean, I had a pretty good record, you know.
1: I mean, you you were seeing some some stuff over there, and you were involved in some stuff, and to only lose one guy—that's. Uh
0: yeah, he was actually the old team leader. Mm. And he wanted to go to field one more time. Oh and, my gosh. It was his birthday.
1: And he just got shot up. Right? And he I
0: wouldn't let him go. And the company commander from California. We uh, had Hollywood,
1: y'all probably called him.
0: <laughs> and he wasn't a, he didn't look like an actor. A
1: little pop of
0: smurf or something.
1: <laughs> but anyway,
0: he uh He wanted – we had two Arvins that night, and he thought me trying to handle two Arvins and the team was a little much, so he overruled me and said, Ralph can go to the field on his birthday.
1: Because Ralph wanted to go on his birthday one he last He wanted to time.
0: go on his birthday. He was getting ready to go home.
1: But not me. If I'm Ralph, I'm not doing that. I, I'm, I'm happy that i had done my last one. He was from Gladstone, Virginia. Hmm.
0: And he got shot, and he got shot up pretty bad. His arm got pretty much uh, shot away, and he had a terrible life after that, drinking, stuff like that, and finally took his own life. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't know, seven, eight years ago.
1: Yeah, most people that haven't been in combat like you have just don't understand the 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 mental and emotional challenges that come with it the physical stuff's hard enough but the
0: well i would go up to gladstone to visit the other guy uh who was a sheriff up there and i would go visit him and i'd go over try to find ralph just talk him because i was there the night he got shot you know i mean yeah he had absolutely nothing to do with me
1: really yeah so he was in a bad way and he he had married
0: the sheriff's sister and they got got divorced. So mm-hmm. but both of them have died there. So they gone. In fact I got a director the other day of the Rangers and there's only like two of us left. That you know, they didn't die over there, but have come home and died. So
1: Only two of you? From Virginia. Uh from how many it, folks total are we talking?
0: it was eight of us from Virginia. Yeah. And then uh forty three Rangers. Mm. So we had a big say so in the forty three Rangers. Yeah. Virginia did.
1: Right. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> well so i imagine that you got some, sounds like you got some rest in the middle there with camille and going home for 30 days right. but when you were over there and you'd been out in the field a bunch you probably had never considered how tired a human being could could get were you t- just bone tired most of the time
0: well i got uh i got hepatitis so i had to go to the hospital and they thought i had worms so they gave me some medicine to void me to see if i had worms and so uh i was tired a a lot after that Uh, they probably took me out of the field but a month early i put me up as fob on the boat Mm. you know i ran mission i ran the fob the forward operational base off the boat right and in the last 30 days i didn't do anything before i come home so
1: was that intentional so you could like start to readjust to to normal society, I, uh,
0: you know, I think if you're getting ready to come home, you you fight different. Mm. You don't. You don't. Uh, you know. You know. You're coming home. I just. I. I don't think it's a. I think it's a, a judgment call on the superior officers that I don't want a guy like that knowing he's getting ready to come home and. With other people, they're not going to be coming home. You know what I mean? Scheduled to come home. So. Right. I, I mean, that's what I always thought it was. I, I just thought it was uh, somewhat of a safety type thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's a, as good a theory as any.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know there was a written rule, but uh, it just seemed like when you got there within 30 days, they they called you short. Yeah. And if you were short, you didn't go to the field. Mm. So they put me on that FOB thing and which I was happy. Yeah,
1: you didn't mind?
0: (laughs) Well, until one night I got off the boat. (laughs) Dumb thing, see? (laughs) We pulled into the land, and pulled up just about to the land. I was still three or four feet from the land, and there was a guy running across the field. So I told him to give me the sniper rifle. So I got off the boat, pulled the John Wayne, put the uh, M-14 up in my arms and waded through the water and got up on land, and I was going to shoot the guy. And when I called up there, I looked up, and there was a big old, looked like a cookie can. I mean, the big one.
1: Like a tin, like a metal tin.
0: Metal, round tin. Yeah. And I knew exactly what it was. It was a bomb.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: They they put uh, glass and nails, and, and they put the explosives behind it. And then they detonated from somewhere else, you know.
1: Like a command detonation's worth. Right, yeah. You know. Right.
0: By wire, but not not by phone or nothing, by right. wire. And I knew exactly what it was. And there I was, it was probably like five inches from my face.
1: And they didn't know that you were there?
0: <laughs> well, I, I'm hoping that was a guy that was running away. Uh, so. uh. But I backed on up, got on the boat.
1: Oh, I'd back up as quick as I, I could. I did that.
0: I let the water clean up my pants first. of <laughs> all. <little bit. laughs>
1: I, I I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. I was
0: scared. I was scared. Anybody I, in their right mind would be. I thought. I thought that was it. Hmm. And I I remember thinking. I said, "You dumb." You know what? Hmm. I said, "Why did you do this?" You know.
1: That was the last time you. That's you-
0: the last time I pulled any John Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: Yeah, shorts, uh, I that 30-day thing, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you came back home, I imagine the, the the trip back home, you were looking forward to just being back in Virginia and getting on with your life, or did you have more time in the service when you got back? No, I actually got back to San Francisco and because I had less than five months left.
0: I got de-roached out, and I flew from San Francisco, To Bird Airport, Mm. got off the plane, went into a terminal, and then it hit me. I didn't know where I lived. (laughs) Wow. We had never lived
1: together. You didn't have a home to go to.
0: I didn't know where it was. (laughs) I sat at the airport for two or three hours trying to find somebody who knew where I lived.
1: (laughs) Well, so so when you say where you lived, your wife and your wife had a place. No,
0: she was living with her parents. But she got in an apartment while I was gone, was putting furniture in it and all, you know. And I was home a couple of weeks early, you know, because of Nixon, I mean Reagan or whatever, Nixon or whoever it was. So she didn't know I was coming. and But over there, you she didn't give me the address, I didn't need the address, you know. Back then the cassette was the big, uh, you didn't do a lot of mail, you did a lot of cassette mm, sending. That right. was, they first came out with cassettes. Okay. And I did the cassettes and one side was for the family, one side was for her and I. And uh, she never gave me the address, so I called everybody. I could, my mother, everybody. Finally, I got my mother, and she told me she knew where it was, so she come pick me up and went over there. She was at the apartment.
1: What part of town was that in? Carriage Hill on, on uh,
0: not Dickens Road, but the next one over, uh, Glenside.
1: Okay, just Glennside. there in the West End. West End. What used to be the, like, normal West End. Right, not, right. But now it's like the near West right,
0: End. Kind of right, thing. right. Yeah. Glenside Apartments. Uh, not Glenside. Courage Hill Apartments.
1: Did people that you ran into when you came back, did they know you were a Vietnam veteran? Or would not really?
0: I didn't really run around with anybody. Uh, you know, um, of course, my mother knew, it, but I told my wife. I didn't tell my wife I was in the Rangers. I told her I was doing a typewriter.
1: When did she learn that you had been in the Rangers? I, I don't know. At some point, she found I, it. I, yeah.
0: Well, I got I got some medals
1: while I was over there, so they uh,
0: I brought them home, you know, and she saw them, and
1: they got the cat out of the bag. Typewriter guys are yeah, not winning right, uh, those rides. Right, yeah. right? Right. So. She, anyway, so uh, you put her mind at ease so, while you were gone.
0: I'm proud of what I
1: did. As you should be. I did. You oh. absolutely should be proud of it. So yeah. you didn't get any flack when you came back?
0: Oh no, no, I, I would have listened to it anyway. Yeah, You're you, talking about the sentiment of the country. And yeah. All? Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to go over there. I, you know, I'm glad I did and I learned what I learned and I know what I did and could do. And, uh, but I mean, she was working for Rentals and. Uh, I went through a couple jobs trying to, I had an attitude, you know, uh, I won't go take no crap off nobody here, you know. Right. I did. Uh, so I, I went back to the power company and I said, uh, you know, they didn't want to give me my raises while I was gone and all, and they, I thought they were supposed to, so.
1: They, they, they are supposed to. And I said, well, I'm not coming back.
0: And then I went to work for a uh, grocery store because I'd done that some while I was in school. And uh, they wanted me to work night crew. And I said, man, I've been gone a year. I've,
1: said, been, I've been doing some hard stuff
0: in the yeah, last year. I said, you know, I said, they wanted me to go to another store and work a couple weeks night crew. And I said, I'll said, I tell you what, I'll do one week. I said, have a heart, man. I've been gone, you know, from my wife for a year. And uh, you don't understand, you gotta go. I said, mm. I said, no, you don't understand. Here's my stamp here's my April. I'm gone." <laughs> <laughs> so then I went to work for Pepsi-Cola doing those little cert machines that when you had pit fairs and things. And uh, my father-in-law said, wait a minute, you know, my, they weren't happy about her marrying me anyway. Said, you done had three jobs and you would lost all three. What kind of son-in-law I got? He said, you're gonna get a trade. Mm. So he called some people, got me into the apprenticeship program and the rest. Turned that was, that was a really good move. Turned out pretty good.
1: And why uh, electrician? Why would you choose that path?
0: He knew the guy that, uh, see, he worked for the city of Richmond. You know, uh, uh, he worked, he was uh, maintenance at TJ. And okay. he knew some people, and he knew this guy's name. And he called him and said, my, my son-in-law is back from the Can you make a place for him an apprenticeship? That was 1970.
1: Okay. So. And it worked out because you did it the rest of your career, right? I did. Yeah, and you, you ended up uh, starting your own business. Uh not really. I
0: um I went through the apprenticeship and then I went to work for a company that moved from Charlotte. They, it was a national company that moved from Charlotte to Richmond to the Federal Reserve Bank downtown. Hmm. And
1: that was
0: nineteen probably seventy two, seventy three. Uh and then again in seventy four, seventy five, by nineteen eighty, I owned that company.
1: Hmm so walk me through that how do, you, how do you go from a guy that's doing the work you were doing to ended up the, own, owning the company
0: the, the right place at the right time they got it uh they had a branch manager here he quit the, the assistant branch manager quit to go in business for himself the branch manager quit to go work up in washington for foley which was the biggest contractor in, in, in the world at that time and that left me you know besides the people in the field, right? So the guys from Alabama came up there and said, You know, uh, met me at the airport, sat in the car. <laughs> I was worried about people, me said we'd been in a car, <laughs> <laughs> and said that uh, we had just started a big contract job. and Said, Uh, if you need anything, call us, you be the one to call us. So they let, got on the plane and left. Mm. I made Business card said branch manager.
1: <laughs> so were you like a uh, you were essentially an entrepreneur running your own?
0: I ran it for thing? them for seven years, and then I bought when Mister Bagby died. I I went down there and bought the branch,
1: and that became its own company. It, at that it point. became Bagby Electric of Virginia. Okay,
0: that was the only thing the family wanted was put the old Virginia on.
1: And you kept the name because? I kept
0: the name for National Recognition, you know, because a lot of contractors coming to Richmond for, were from Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, New York. I mean, they, they knew the bag. There was like 20 branches of Bagby. Mm. At first they offered me to go to Mobile and run the whole company, and I said, I'm not going to Mobile. You know, my kids, you know.
1: That would have been a huge job too, right?
0: Yeah, but I that didn't appeal to me to move it to Mobile. So... I bought the branch, and uh, and uh, that was in 87. And then 10 years ago next month, I sold it to the boys. Mm. So they, they've they been running for 10 years. And these
1: are your sons? They're sons. Okay. How many sons do you have? Three. All three of them?
0: All three of them work over there. Okay. Nice. And uh, Corey lives in the neighborhood here. Yeah.
1: yeah. Small world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, What did you enjoy about uh, having your own company? Control. I've
0: I've always, uh, which affected me later in my life, I always had control of everything from when I was a little boy all the way.
1: You were independent from a young age.
0: I I was in control. Not just independent. I was in control. I mean, I I just, nobody, my wife says I'm hard hit as I can be, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm uh. Then I got, uh, I had a blood vessel pop in my ear, something, I got tinnitus really bad. Mm. And it was really bad. And so I became ineffective at the business. I I got claustrophobic. Uh, Went to all the doctors, UVA everywhere, there's nothing they could do for it. And Finally a psychiatrist told me, he said, well the problem is that you you can't control it. He said, for the first time in your life, you can't control something. He said, you're fighting it like a devil. And he said, you got to give up on it. So that helped me. And uh, another guy in town, Eddie Eck, that owned a lot of VCU, all those multicolored properties. He had it real bad. He talked to me some. Was he still around? No, he died.
1: died. I think I went to school with his sons. EC? Mm-hmm. EC's yeah. a couple years older than me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, EC and I played a lot of golf together. Yeah. A lot of golf.
1: Is he still in town?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, he sold the business, but they had so much real estate. See, his uncle uh, and his brother was my lawyer, Frank. He was okay. my lawyer for a while. And then, uh, I mean, it was just all intertwined. Right. You know, but uh, I surrounded myself with good people, good good electricians,
1: good office staff, and let them do their job. Yeah. So... Control what you need to and let them do their job otherwise. Right. Uh, what did you not like about it? Uh,
0: that's a good question. i never really thought about that. Uh, I became real good friends with some of the people you know that worked for me and when I had to make decisions that affected their life or their family, you know stuff. Yeah, I I did look forward to that. And then I had some people stealing from me. Mm. I had to do something with them, and I you know they've been with me thirty years. You know?
1: Thirty years and they're stealing from you, right? Mm.
0: And so uh, you know, I, you know, I saw him not long ago, and I went over to him and I said, you know, his his daughter had died, and I said, I could see it in their face when I started walking over there. His wife saw me first, and I knew they thought I was going to raise holy heck, you know. And I said, I said I'm here. All of my condolences for your daughter. I said, that transcends anything mm. else as far as I'm concerned. And I walked away.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, But yeah, after 30 years, I found out he was stealing copper wire from me.
1: Mm. So, and he knew it. Yeah.
0: He said he messed up.
1: He knew what he did was yeah.
0: wrong. Yeah. And it was a lot of money.
1: A lot of money, I can imagine.
0: Yeah. We were, you know, we were doing big work.
1: Now, you are doing commercial work.
0: Yeah, no residential.
1: Yeah, so you, how big was the biggest building that you wired, your company wired?
0: Well, the company wired Federal Reserve Bank, which is the second largest building in, in the state of Virginia. Is it really? Federal Reserve Bank, downtown.
1: Okay, downtown, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, the, on, on, on the river.
1: Y'all, yeah, y'all wired that whole thing?
0: Yeah, back in 1975. That's when I went to work for them. Okay. There, there's as much area below ground as is above ground. Really? It's the second, the Pentagon is the largest. That Federal Reserve Bank is the second
1: largest in the state of Virginia. I had no idea. Yeah. And t- to think the second largest is in Richmond and not up in Arlington or Alexandria. Well, I mean, that
0: was, that was what it was years ago. I don't know what they built since then, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's still probably top 10, top 15, I'm guessing.
0: I mean, it, at the time, that's what the claim to fame was. It was the second. Only the Pentagon was bigger, more space in the building.
1: What do you like about uh, Central Virginia? You've been here most of your life?
0: I like to change in seasons. You know, I hunted some with my daddy before he died. I had a place on the river most of my life, uh, 50 some years, Uh, had boats, jet skis, the kids, you know, and we spent a lot of time together and uh, I played a lot of golf. That's all I do now is play golf.
1: That's a good thing, keeps you moving, right? I love it, (laughs) I love it. Where do you play most of the time?
0: Uh, I'm playing up at Hanover. uh, Okay. And playing down Tappahannock, where I had a house. I got up some friends there. I still drive. I sold my house last year, but
1: Oh, you sold your river place? Yeah. Right there on the Rappahannock there. Right. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Dunsville, down in Dunsville. Okay. Near Tappahannock.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's beautiful there. I had
0: three acres right on the water. Oh, my goodness. Big, big house.
1: Wish I knew you a year ago. I I might have talked to you about that place.
0: That guy rolled in there and wrote me a check.
1: Cash money, huh? Mm.
0: And I couldn't get no out of my mouth.
1: <laughs> it's kind of hard to get no out of your mouth on that deal. Now, let like.
0: me tell you an anecdote about your daddy. Okay. Now, I don't want to get you off track here, but the reason your daddy and I know each other is I told him a lawyer joke. <laughs> I know he ain't never told you. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't think he has. A
0: lawyer gets on airplane, sits down beside a, a redneck farm. Okay. Plane takes off, lawyer leans over to the redneck farmer and says, "Uh, you wanna play a game? The redneck farmer says, nah, I I just wanna go home, I got pigs to feed, you know. Lawyer kept at finally the farmer said, okay, I'll play a silly game, what is it? Lawyer said, well I'm gonna ask you a question, and if you can't answer it, you gotta give me five dollars. He said, but to be fair, I'm an attorney, if you ask me a question, you get to ask me a question, but I can't answer it, I'll give you $50. Mm. He told the farmer, go ahead, the farmer said, what walks on two legs in the morning, three legs in the afternoon, and four legs at night? The lawyer thinking for a minute, he scratches his head, he can't reach under the seat, pulls out his laptop, starts Googling it, you know, calls his law professors, calls all his lawyer friends, everything funny. Closes the laptop, he says, pulls a $50 bill out of his pocket, hands it to the redneck farmer, and he says, You got me. He says, Here's your $50. The old farmer says, thank you, puts it in his pocket, starts looking at the window of the airplane. Lloyd said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, What does walk on two legs in the morning, three legs in the afternoon, and four legs at night? The farmer looked at him and said, Damn, I know, here's your five. <laughs>
1: Uh, the farmer's got a lot more common sense than the lawyer. <laughs> Your daddy loved that joke. He, he said he told everybody he knew. I'm he, loved so I'm it. he loved it. He loved it. Every a, time
0: I come into the breakfast place, tell him that joke you just told
1: That's a really good joke. Yeah, yeah. It, a lot of truth in it. Yeah, a ton of truth <laughs> in it.
0: All right, I'm sorry. I, just, I had to get that out because I wanted to tell you about that tonight. No, that's
1: a good one. I, yeah. lo- I like that. There, there yeah. aren't enough lawyer jokes out there. No. <laughs> Too many lawyers, <laughs> not enough junk going <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Uh, what, what was uh, the hardest part of uh, running your own company? Uh, working with the generals
0: and the other subs. Mm. A lot of times they didn't do what they were supposed to do, and they created hardships on us, you know, because we had certain, we had to follow certain other trades. Right. Uh, you know, I could put receptacles in a wall in an office building if there was not no wall there. Right. You know, I couldn't put lights in the ceiling if there was not no ceiling there. I mean, it just, and the generals just, uh, some of them were good, some of them weren't as good.
1: The good ones aren't wasting your time. The bad ones are wasting your time.
0: The good ones kept you on schedule. Yeah. And the other ones, and there's plenty of them, were more concerned with making a good showing in front of the, owners and, yeah. you know, uh, this is what I'm doing and I'm having trouble with this sub, so. And then they want me to work overtime, not pay me to, you know, stuff like that. Just constant, uh, I, did the, I did the Coliseum downtown when that was built. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Richmond Coliseum. And I ended up having to go to court over that. Mm. And, you know, and it, uh, even the general had to say we did a great job, yeah. you know, but I sued for 300,000, I got 28.
1: <laughs> and who was the other party? Was it the city of Richmond?
0: Uh, it was city of Richmond and Marriott.
1: Mm. Marriott built the Richmond yeah. Coliseum.
0: They were the uh, link between the city and everything. Yeah. They hired a minority contractor from Philadelphia, and it was way, it was league. Yeah. But anyway, they, city money, city judge. Yeah. I sued for 300, got 28, and I had to give a lawyer a third of that. You Sorry.
1: got you got less than ten percent, and a yeah. whole lot less than ten percent after yeah. the lawyer got paid.
0: Yeah. So I learned my lesson. All
1: right. I, well, there's a question we ask most of our guests towards the end. And uh, imagine you are a talk show host. Okay. Yes, sir. It's a w- one show only, lasts for about an hour. You get to invite three guests. One and they can be alive or dead. They can be somebody you, you know or knew or not. They can be famous or not famous. Your show can be entertaining. It can be thought-provoking. It's whatever you want it to be. You, you can have one male guest, one female guest, and one musical guest. Who are your three guests? I wish you'd written down before I got it, yeah. <laughs> It's meant to be spur of the moment and uh, thought-provoking a little bit. It kind of kind of gives everybody a sense of who you are a little bit, other than the stuff we've talked well,
0: about. Well, uh, I wish that I could interview the guys from... Vietnam that, had, that died. Cause here they were in Virginia and I didn't go see them. You know, or mm. they didn't come see me. And I did for a while, but after that, I, we just grew apart. So I would like to see them again, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just uh, talk about the old times. I had, I had one from Gladys, the sheriff from Lovingston, uh, John Dixon, he, uh, he kind of took me under his wing and uh, made sure I stayed safe a lot. You know, I, I, I was, uh, he, lived, he lived a good life, but I didn't, I didn't see him as much as I should've. And yeah. I would, I'd like to see him again. Michael Ballheim, I'd like to see again, you know, cause he was, he was a hippie with the beads and the long hair and he did the weed and all that But stuff. you guys, you, you were compatible. Cribbage, cribbage was supreme. Mm-hmm. Cribbage was supreme for a woman no, I, I can't think of anybody except my wife. Okay. I, I, I just hope she stays with me, and we ride off the sunset together.
1: You right, know? right along.
0: Yeah, I, I got a good wife, and uh, she's a good mother. My kids, good grandmother. We got nine grandchildren.
1: Oh, my gosh. And uh, uh,
0: she's put up with a lot with me, you know. First year
1: marriage, you go gone to Vietnam. <laughs> yeah she says that's the best year of marriage so uh,
0: now i I just uh I hope we have some more years together you know so far as a musical guest uh that's that's a good one uh, no uh more of a movie star
1: than a musical guest okay you can go movie star
0: uh I would have liked to have met John Wayne.
1: He, he, was, uh, he definitely gave the impression to the world that he was the guy.
0: I just, I just I liked his movies. I liked the way he carried himself in the movies. He was right, not too much wrong. You know, I mean, you very, saw, very seldom saw him as a bad guy. You know, I mean, I'm sure there was some movies, but I don't know of any. But uh, he seemed to have right and wrong figured out.
1: Yeah, and uh, his movies were definitely trying to portray that. Yeah,
0: I, I, uh, I mean, I go back to movies like The High and the Mighty. The theme song I play it all the time. You know, the, it wasn't that good a movie, but that theme song stuck with me for years and years and years.
1: I'm not familiar. Is that like a, a symphony or an orchestra yeah, kind of thing? Yeah. Well, maybe your musical guest could be that symphony.
0: High and the Mighty, the movie. Okay. Um, no, nah, I, you know. I got uh, I got three bronze stars with valor, two Army accommodations with valor, the Purple Heart, Air medals. I mean, I.
1: You have three bronze stars with V devices. Yeah, that's that's a lot of bronze stars yeah. with V devices. I got shot
0: three times, none of them broke skin.
1: How is that possible?
0: The night raft got shot. I wore Russian web gear which covered my chest. My, mag- my long magazines went down in my slots in my, I didn't wear American web gear. I wore Russian web gear.
1: Well, how did you even know about Russian web gear?
0: Uh, some of the guys had it. Okay. And uh, you know, it was some people from all over the world, in the rangers, I mean oh, in, the, in that area and stuff like that. So right. as soon as I saw that they protected your chest, I wanted one. And then uh
1: it sounds like it was a good move.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean we we went into villages. We everything everything I had had a snipe had a silencer on. It. Everything <laughs> except my twelve gauge shotgun.
1: Yeah, it's hard to silence <laughs> one of those. Yeah.
0: So when we go in villages trying to find a particular person, I carry twelve gauge and stuff like that. Other times I'd carry a sniper rifle with silencers. You know, my pistol I had a silencer. Stuff like I mean. It's in, in close fighting type, um,
1: but you—you you were struck by three rounds. I
0: got struck. It knocked me. Right, the night we got shot, we were we were watching a funeral, and we cardinal sin. We got up try to move in closer, mm. and they ambushed us. And the first guy got shot nine times, the second guy got shot in both lungs, uh, leg, Ralph got shot in his arm, I got hit with a bullet in my chest, knocked me around, next bullet hit my radio, and then the other bullet, I had a grenade on my belt and that got shot off. And, We called for EVAC and they brought in another Ranger team. I stayed on the ground to help them, you know, and they took all my people out and I stayed there. I got a bronze off of that. Well, you know what they tell you, you're the best fighting soldier in the world. They pump you up, right? Oh yeah, and then you go away and people have been fighting for a hundred (laughs) years. Yeah. (laughs) And you're in their country and you go tear them up.
1: And and you, yeah, and they're not wearing the uniform that. You expect them to wear?
0: No. In the daytime, they're they're exterminating and they're pacing the buildings off in your compound and at night, the shells are coming in.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, who can't figure that out?
1: Right. Right.
0: And then it got to the point where you couldn't fire unless you were fired on. You know? We sit there with a starlight and watch them setting up the rockets and you couldn't shoot at them. I mean, it's stupid.
1: That's dumb.
0: You know, and here come the rockets. Then you could shoot. I mean, it's just,
1: that doesn't make any sense. I was
0: glad to get out of there.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I can imagine. It's I can like fight
0: with one hand behind your back.
1: Yeah, it's not the way to uh, to fight.
0: No.
1: Well, let, let's transition to your family. I, nine okay. grandkids, a lot of grandkids. How old's the oldest one?
0: The oldest one's twenty two, twenty three.
1: Okay, and the youngest?
0: Four.
1: Okay, that's a good range. That's a yeah. fun range for grandpa.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, seven boys and two girls. Okay. Corey lives in here, has four. Uh, my son lives down at King and Queen. He has three. And then my son, my son lives in uh, Country Club Hills. He has two. Okay. They're the two youngest.
1: What, what are your sons' names?
0: David Jr., uh, Kevin, and Corey.
1: I knew the third one. I knew the youngest. The youngest. Based on the story you told. Yeah. 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 Uh, and they're all working for uh, Bagby Man. Electric right. of Virginia. Right. All right. Tell me about your wife. You told me how you met, but tell me a little bit more about her.
0: I checked her ID at the beer joint and told her I knew her daddy, and she was dating somebody. And we kind of—I don't know. I think she said her girlfriends liked her. Her girlfriends liked me more than she did. So she, I think, she kind of had a date with me just to prove to them
1: that—that's <laughs> what she said. I don't know,
0: but anyway, we got. uh we dated for a couple of years, and then, like I said, I got orders go to Nam, and I don't know to this day why we did it, but it sure worked out.
1: How long had y'all been seeing each other before you? Went a couple over? years. Okay. We met on uh, Valentine's Day in
0: uh, '67. I was still in school. She had finished school '66, see? and uh, and then I I came home. I got drafted and went to service, and then uh, you know, like I said, she. She stayed here, and I uh, came home on that leave, and we we looked back and said, "Why did we do it? Why did we do it?" And he said, "You know, so, it doesn't matter. We did it, so <laughs> you can't undo it." You know, <laughs> but uh, it turned out to be the best thing in my life.
1: Three uh, sons and nine grandkids later.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: and, and fifty-three years of marriage.
0: And I want to say something. I got three really good sons. I have been blessed. With re- three really good sons, good humans, good fathers, good husbands. I mean, I don't have any worry whatsoever about their life, and they're doing good. I don't have to worry about that, so I can play golf.
1: You, you are. Uh, it sounds like you were a very good dad, uh, and, and uh, you're 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 fortunate that your sons in up. I was up probably about a
0: dad when they were young than I am now. I'm. I've kind of. Regressed a little bit on being a dad. I'm, I, I don't spend as much time with probably as I should. But, you know, after doing all I did, running the business and looking out for everybody and all this, I call this my my quality time. It's your it's, time. It's you know. I mean, they got their own lives. They don't need me calling them every day and going over there and telling them what they should do and shouldn't do. I mean, that the youngest Corey's forty eight.
1: Mm. He's old enough.
0: course uh, Corey's excuse me, forty five, Kevin's forty eight and David's fifty one. So they're, they're all old enough. They're all old enough. They got their own families, their own life. So if they call me I'll come running. But other than that, I don't uh I would say I'm not as good at Dan now as I probably could be. But
1: No, I think you're probably just right.
0: I don't know. You, I don't know. Yeah. You don't know how you know, I never had kids that old before. <laughs> yeah, right. You, you, every day's a new day. <laughs> yeah, that's right? exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's no pamphlet for that. <laughs>
1: No, no, yeah. What's what makes life fun?
0: Well, I have been blessed my whole life. Ever since that day I got shot, not killed, everything has been good for me. You know, it just even my sons say so. They say, Dad, I don't know how you did it, but you did it. You know, uh, I mean, rising the rank of the business and, you know, did pretty good. And, you know, keeping my marriage together the whole time, you know, it's been.
1: What's your wife's name? Betty. 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 Okay. Yep. Well, Betty sounds like a heck of a woman and she's, uh, sounds like she's got a good sense of humor too.
0: Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes. No, she's a religious woman. She's very, she's, uh, she's right with me. She's right with me. Right on. Yeah, loves her kids. Loves her
1: kids. Good, good grandma and good mom. Sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Y'all spoil the grandkids.
0: No, I wouldn't say that. They uh, they came down to River some and we spoiled them down there. We had jet skis for them and boating and skiing and stuff like that. But now they got their own places and uh, you know each one of them is different towards the kids. You know, Uh, Coy had two kids and he went for a third one and. He said he went for a three-point and got fouled, and he had twins. So,
1: <laughs> so that's why he's got four. And uh,
0: they're just good daddies. You know, when you're around them, you just you see a lot of love. Yeah. You know, and I heard one of the boys tell his wife that she's their best mother. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that's. So I, I didn't have that when I was coming up.
1: You didn't have any of that. it no. Sounds like
0: I, I had no family life. And see, that, that's another thing I worried about during my life was how that, how I would handle myself as a family person, because I didn't have that.
1: Well, sounds like you did fantastically well. Well, they
0: all play sports. The only way I showed them was I'd go to the sports and the practices. And it's them. important. Yeah. And they all, uh, Corey played all three sports. David played football, and Kevin played some baseball. And, uh, I mean, Corey played his quarterback at Atley and stuff like mm. that. I mean, he's a real good golfer. I mean, you know, he's a good athlete, so we But after they got old and got married and all I could see the you know, I told him, I said, you know, when I saw him business, I said, What do you mean you're not coming back over here anymore? I said, You don't need me. I said, Why should I come over there and sit there and bother you? Yeah. You don't need me. And that was ten years ago.
1: And you do like playing golf.
0: I'd love it. i love it. I wish I was better, but, but if I was better, I'd probably take it more serious. Well, I like the camaraderie. I com-
1: like the people. Camaraderie's great. Is there anything about the sport itself that you really like?
0: When I was young, I played a lot of sports, but when I didn't start golf until I was 35, and I found it to be the only sport I played that I completely got my mind off everything else. Mm. Business, family, everything. When I was on that, trying to hit that ball and play that golf, was nothing else because it's an individual sport. Right. And you know, you got people watching you the whole time. You can't cheat. You can't. I mean, if you do, you got to call. It. I mean, it was just, it's just a gentleman's game. Right. And uh, I, I, it just took me. That was my drug or alcohol. Or whatever. I got my mind completely off everything. So that needed that. And now I'm just eating up with it. I'm just. Totally, you know.
1: And it's funny, because you didn't start till you were 35. Right.
0: Uh, they invited me to go on a trip to Myrtle Beach. I said, I don't even play golf. <laughs> and they said, do you drink? And I said, yeah. <laughs> I don't drink anymore, but I, said, I did then. Well, we're going to have a good time. Come on. So I went down there. Fortunately, the guy playing with me they had never played either, too. So <laughs> you needed him. We needed him. <laughs> He's from Ashley. He's passed away now. But anyway, he. Uh... so that Christmas My employees gave me a set of clubs and a bag and all that for Christmas. Okay, nice. I I was hooked from then on.
1: Do you remember your best round? 68. Whoo! Come on now.
0: Yep. 68 down at Hobbs Hole. Top
1: average. Oh, yeah, I played at Hobbs Hole. Uh, 68, the par was what, 71, 72? 71. Uh, Were you typically in the high 60s, low 70s?
0: No, I had
1: seven birdies. Just lightning in a bottle that day. Just, I still got school card. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I uh, I have good days and bad days. You know, I have bad knees now, so I I got to get my knees replaced. So huh? so I'm I have a lot of arm action, not body action. You know? Right, that hurts me. But not not hitting it as far. Yeah, yeah. But I played up tees, so you know, I. Counteract that by moving up.
1: Yeah, right on. Yeah, senior tees. You you earn those tees.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm seventy four, so I'm I'm uh, I play
1: three days a week at least. That's a lot of golf. That is a lot of golf. I wish I played more. It's a fun sport. It's a lot of fun.
0: Well, I um, I belong to some nice clubs during my course of my life, and uh, now I just play Hanover Hobbs Hole. You know, I don't pay that big money anymore. You know, yeah. uh, you know. I belonged to one course, it, it cost you a lot to join it, it cost you a lot to be a member, and then every time you played it was 100 bucks for the candy. I said, you know, I'm retired now, let me think about this. That, that,
1: that is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But I met business
1: people, you know. So well. What was uh, the best course you ever played?
0: Well, I, I, the best course I ever played. Uh, Sounds you know, like you played a lot of. Them. To be corny, I'd say the last one. But, but, uh, I've been to Pebble Beach. Uh, I didn't play it. Uh, I played over in Europe. I played in Scotland. Um, I played up in Pennsylvania, Marion, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with Eddie, EC. Ed, okay. He took me up there for two days. Nice. And uh, you want a quick story about that? Sure. EC calls me and he. I think he had some going to St. Christopher's, a collegiate or somebody. Okay. He bought a blind auction, and it was two rounds at Marion, or four rounds. He called me, he said, I'm gonna get a plane, we're gonna fly up there, and everything's paid for. I was his customer, you know. Right. So we go up there, and we play golf at Marion. They got the wicker baskets instead of the flags, mm. and that, you know. Okay. Ben Hogan hit that famous shot that people line. So I go down there, and I got this caddy named Scott. And for some reason, I just made every putt I could make. I made every putt. So at the end of the 18 hole, Scott comes over to me and he says, Mr. Trouble, he said, uh, are you going to play another 18? And I said, yeah. He said, uh, you going to go have something to eat? And I said, yeah. He said, well if I were you, I'd take that putter with you. <laughs> he said, I've never seen anybody come to Marion and putt like you did. He said, I've never seen it.
1: Because the grains
0: are fast? They're just fast and reading them. And I mean, if they were 10, 12 feet, I was graining them. I mean, I I don't know why, but I was. So I go in and I have a beer and a cheeseburger with EC. We come back out. Oh, before we go in, he says, oh, Mr. Troy," he says, no big deal. He said, but my name ain't Scott. He said, it's Steve. I said, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got the
1: first letter right. Yeah.
0: So I go in there and have a cheeseburger and a couple beers. I come back out. Of course you know what happened I couldn't make a putt if, my, if I was standing in the hole I couldn't have made the putt. <laughs> two two beers will do it to you. So Steve comes over to me he taps me on the shoulder he said you're right Mr. Troy he said it wasn't a putter it was the man behind it I said damn that!" So I said Scott was a better caddy than you were.
1: <laughs> True story. That's a great story. So, uh, Scott was a better caddy. Uh, Scott sounds like a much better caddy. Yeah so <laughs> Now
0: I've met some nice people, and from all over the world. And golf, so it's uh, it teaches you humility. Mm. You know, I mean, when you think you got everything going, you're making money, and people are making over you, and all like that. Guy, you go to the course, you just
1: it'll humble you. It will. It will. Not not the day Scott was caddying, but uh, at least that round Scott was caddying.
0: I I shot 78 up in Hanover last week.
1: That's I, I look I'm fifty three years old. I started playing when I was nineteen. The best round I've ever had is eighty six. Oh. Now I've not played as much as you have, but I played enough to be able to uh well, I, beat eighty six. I went but, down to Hanover
0: Wednesday, Tuesday, Sunday and shot eighty eight. So well, that's,
1: that, that's easier. That's a fantastic <laughs> round for me. <laughs> that's easier. I'm so, so much easier. So short. I just had I had like six or seven double bogeys. I mean mm. just so I'd have about fourteen double bogeys when I when I play, <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good. Well, Dave, I I can't thank you enough for doing this My with pleasure. me. My pleasure. I really appreciate your service to our country thank you. Uh, and everything you endured over there. You can't be thanked enough for doing that. Uh, and so I I definitely want to pass that along to you and uh, our listeners should be very proud of, well, of what you, you. did. Yeah,
0: thank you. I'm proud. You know, not many people recognize what people did over there, you know, I mean, cause most people were against it anyway,
1: Yeah. you
0: know, but if you shoot somebody and they shoot you, it's still war. Yeah. I mean, it, it ain't no politics in that.
1: No, no <laughs> politics involved there. And
0: I wanted to come home.
1: Yeah. And you made it on them.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I did. Some of them didn't and I did. So I never let that go, I never forgot that. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.